Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It stinks because last week we were talking about, you know, that, that hope. Of Penn State fans, could this team make There's, it to the it's college football there. playoff? It's still yeah. there. It should still be there, right? Don't lose hope. It should still. It should very much still be there because you still have that chance. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Pater Podcast. I'm Tom Hannafin. He is Matt McGloin. Penn State is five and one after falling to Iowa at Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City by a score of 23-20. to 20. This is one of the most complicated games to explain in recent memory for Penn State fans. There is a lot to get into. Uh, the performance of Sean Clifford, the injury to Sean Clifford, the performance of backup quarterback Taquan Roberson, the overall performance of the offense, the overall performance of the Penn State defense, what Iowa actually is, our overall takeaways from the game, Penn State's future this season going into the college football playoff. Is that even still on the table? We are recording this at a time when the updated rankings are out. So Matt and I are going to dive into that. And frankly, who better to ask about being a quarterback jumping into a big game <laughs> than old number 11? So I am really excited about this, even though I know a lot of Penn State fans have uh, got a lot of questions and a lot of concerns. I've got to be maybe feeling a little down in the dumps. We are here to dive through all of this because Penn State's got a bye week. So we are going to talk all things Iowa here in episode 10. And as always, I want to thank you guys for liking, commenting, subscribing, and turning on notifications. You guys have been fantastic fans of the Pater podcast. And you know what? We're back and we're better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. The Pater Podcast is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, our podcast starts at the very beginning of this Iowa game. We are going to take this step by step because, as I said, there are so many different elements to this game that no one could simply ask you, oh, how did the game go? And you would get a quick response. This is a very complicated thing. It's like an onion, and we're going to peel back all the layers. So, Matt, I want to start with how the game really got underway, and it was pretty much the story of Sean Clifford seemingly picking apart the Iowa defense. So let's focus first off what did you think about what Sean and the offense were doing early in this ball game 
well, if we're starting at the beginning, yes, they they started this game the worst possible way you could start a game with the turnover, right? The interception. I mean, I've talked about it before. You know, you're backed up as an offense. Your feet are in the paint as a quarterback, right? There's 70,000 people screaming. Here we go. First drive, poor situation, rolling left. What do you do? You turn it over. Couldn't have started any worse for Sean Clifford and this offense, man. That's a lonely feeling right there. But as, as you mentioned, like he was doing whatever he wanted with the football, right? He did a great job of finding voids in their zone coverage. That second drive, that big, deep crossing route to Parker Washington, they come back, they run the middle screen to uh, to Strange, and they're able to finish the drive. They punch it in with Kane on the goal line. I mean, I thought when Clifford was in there, the offensive game plan was very good. It was. He did a great job. He used his legs multiple times to pick up first downs. As I've talked about all the time as a quarterback, we ask at least one a game. Convert one third down a game with your legs. He had two of them in the time that he was playing. And a touchdown. Exactly. Yeah, like it, they moved the ball well. They converted third downs. You know, and what was impressive about that is that he's seeing coverage, Tom, and I want to make I want to make this point. The second one, the second third down he converted, it was two man, right? Two deep safeties, man underneath. It is stressed so much to quarterbacks. When you get that coverage, remember, there's nobody for you, right? They, they're, they're, there's nobody for you. So if you could break past the line of scrimmage, you can run for 15 and 20 yards the way he did. So he sees things so well anymore. He sees playing like an experienced quarterback. The second interception, like, I was fine with it, right? I mean, you're taking a shot downfield. You're picking them apart underneath. You take a shot. Whatever. I think Dotson's got to go up and try to make more of an attempt to bat that ball away or break it up even. But he played well. And unfortunately, the injury happened, Tom, as part of the game. And I've been in that situation before. You're throwing your arms up and then you get hit from underneath. That's happened to me twice in my career. It happened to me once in high school. Mm. I tore a muscle in my shoulder. The second time it happened to me was against the Denver Broncos when I was with the Raiders and I sprained my AC joint. It's just so uncomfortable. You can't you can't move the left arm back to throw the football. Yeah, it, it's it's unfortunate. So much about playing the quarterback position is understanding how to take hits, how to land even. But when you're in a very vulnerable position like he was in, it hurts hitting the ground, but when you have a 300-pound lineman driving you down into the ground like that, it's a tough spot, man. So, again, you mentioned the bye week. Hopefully, he's able to recover and get back quick. Yeah, the, so I want to talk about the injury, and then I want to go back to some of the things he was doing uh, while he was on the field. If you watch the slow-motion replay of the hit itself, at first, as a fan, it looked like, okay, he extends his left arm, his elbow naturally collapses, and then his elbow jams into the turf, and it appears then his left shoulder jams up. So my first thought is, oh my gosh, he's done something, as you mentioned, to a joint, something to his shoulder, dislocated, God forbid, it's a rotator cuff. There's a myriad of things, and I'm not going to play doctor. Now, when he ultimately came out of the locker room in the second half, he's in street clothes, was not in a sling, did not seem to be favoring the left shoulder, but you could tell underneath his shirt there looked like there were heating pads potentially strapped to his his back and his midsection. The 
frustrating thing if you're a Penn State fan is that uh, James Franklin does not reveal medical information and injury reports. He will say, okay, a guy's not available, but he won't explain why. Part of that is a game plan tactic, and part of that is the privacy of the players and their health. So you understand that. I I am very curious to see. Obviously, we're recording this Sunday. This comes out Monday morning at 9 a.m. I am very curious to see if any information leaks because of the significance of of this injury, not just for Penn State, but the ramifications throughout the Big Ten and then nationally, because the ability of Sean Clifford directly correlates to the potential success of the Penn State Nittany Lions football team and whether or not they make any noise in the postseason. So we're going to keep an eye on that as this week progresses. In terms of Sean's final stat line for the day, 15 of 25, 146 yards. You mentioned the two interceptions, Mm. 94.1 QBR, and then three carries for 36 yards, which unfortunately was the best in single yardage for a ball carrier all day for Penn State and a touchdown on the ground. Yeah, I mean, look, you take out the quarterbacks in this game and, and, you know, I don't really want to sit here and talk stats, but you got to throw this one out there, Tom, if we're mentioning the quarterbacks. If you take out what Clifford and, and Roberson did that game, as a team, Penn State had 46 rushing yards on 19 carries. And that was one of the huge points we made last week. If you can't run the football, you can't win this game. If you turn it mm-hmm. over, you can't win this game. I mean, Iowa, did they do anything crazy? No, and we'll get to the defensive performance, but that's a stubborn defense. It, it really, really is. Before Sean went out, as I mentioned, he had 25 attempts. So the guy was on pace to maybe cap you know, 50 attempts on the day and kind of the point you were just making, Sean was playing so well, picking apart the defense, whether it was in man coverage or really going to town when it was zone coverage from Iowa, the offensive scheme seemed to be hiding the deficiency of the running game. So blue sky, is that a sustainable offense for Penn state? If Sean is healthy and good to go, for instance, for Illinois, I think it may be. Okay. It's something you and I worried about. It was. It's like, and that, I was talking about that on the radio as well. I'm like, could he win the game himself? He was on his way. And he was showing us that he could because Iowa played the wide receiver screen game fantastic, I thought. Like Penn State wasn't getting those 10, 12, 14 yard chunks when they'd slip it out to Washington or slip it out to Jihad Dotson. They played it great. They rallied. They limited those plays, which Penn State has been using as as their run game, I guess you can say. But I mean, man, Clifford was proven that listen, man, if the run game's not there, we can't work the screen game here. I can push the football down the field. I could find voids in your zone. I can use my legs. So if they can't run the ball, I mean. This kid was showing us that, you know, he could put the team on his back, you know, arguably the best defense in the country. They were up big. And the over after they turned it over twice too. right. Exactly. And I believe the statistic coming into the game was that Iowa got 15 points per game this season off of turnovers, which is a ridiculous number. They only had three in the first half, considering that first play of the game, the interception, I think they took over on the nine-yard line, something like that. So the fact that the Penn State defense did what they did and held them like that through the better part of three quarters and change was really amazing. But 
yeah, Sean could do no wrong, it appeared, for most of the game outside of the interceptions. I understand that. But he just found the right opportunities. Iowa is not a team that dials up a lot of blitzes. They rely on their front four. Occasionally, they send an extra linebacker. But that is not their forte. And Iowa only really got, you know, feeling themselves only until late in the fourth quarter when they realized that Roberson was shook and that's when they started blitzing and that's when things really got ugly for the Nittany Lions so Sean Clifford his status as of today again we're recording on Sunday middle of the afternoon is TBD thankfully Penn State has a bye week and this gives not just Sean Clifford but a myriad of uh, uh, Nittany Lions an opportunity to recover I'm talking Mm -hmm. about P.J. Mustafer, we're waiting to hear what's going on with him. Jonathan Sutherland, John Lovett returned the opening kick and then was not seen again for the rest of the day. And then Jaquan Brisker has a lingering shoulder issue, which you and I have talked about at length on this podcast. So a lot of guys on the injury report, again, we'll see how much James Franklin reveals as this week goes by. So Sean Clifford, obviously gained a lot of faith from Penn State fans, which you and I talked about on a lot last podcast. He's not necessarily had that. It's funny, it happened in Iowa. The Trace McSorley moment of throwing the touchdown pass into the back of the end zone to Juwan Johnson to win the game, and all of a sudden, he's the guy. Sean Clifford, by getting injured and being gone, made so many people appreciate him. I went ahead and I tweeted, I'm like, y'all miss him now? Everybody's got to shut up. Because Sean Clifford is better than 80% of Division I quarterbacks, so people should be very thankful. And unfortunately, we got a very blunt reminder of that. And I do not want to bag on a guy who is so young. Taquan Roberson comes into the game in the second quarter. You, Matt, have a unique correlation to Roberson because your career at Penn State began by substituting into a game uh, to replace the starting quarterback. Walk us through the feelings that must have been going through Taquan's head. Yeah, 17 to 10, he enters in the second quarter, seven minutes left, right? As a quarterback, as an offense, in that moment, Tom, it's you go in with the mentality, like, all right, we have a new quarterback in here, but guess what? We can't expect to keep this lead. Like, we can't expect to just ride this thing out. You have to play. You have to play ball. Right. All right. Great. It's a, it's a new quarterback in there. The mindset should be everybody shut up and go play. We still have a game left to play. Too many times, the and obviously this is like a this is a touchy subject for me because Tom, any time like these days a, a quarterback is injured or anything like that and they have to bring the backup in, it, it's kind of like oh that's it. Now we stink. We're done. Like no, dude. There's still 37 minutes left to play in this football game. This kid is here for a reason. All right, let him go out there. Let him try to do his job. This is the first real action, you know, this kid's getting put into. I'm not going to sit here and say anything bad about Taquan Roberson's performance because I know how difficult of a situation that is to do. You know what I'm going to do, though, is I'm going to put some of this blame on Franklin and Yursich. He goes in the game, false start, false start, false start. There's offensive linemen yelling at one another. First of all, using the clap cadence on the road in one of the loudest environments in all of Division One football, why? And you continue to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, if that's me and, you know, I'm Sean Clifford or uh, I'm Roberson, and I know there wasn't any false starts with Clifford in there. Obviously, he's comfortable using it. But if I'm Roberson, it gets to the point where it's like, hey, Mike, listen, it's loud. Let me lift my leg up. Or if I'm under center, you go one tap, two tap, whatever it may be. Like, it, it's... 
It happened multiple times, man. How does that happen? I understand your field position isn't great, but if you can't break the huddle and you can't get up and run football plays, like you don't have a chance, right? Like you don't have a chance. I just, I don't think they put the kid in any position where he can go out there and play his game. At times we saw him take over, right? He did some nice things that time. He completed some passes. He used his legs. He started to get rolling here and there, but guess what? False start. It just that continued to go back and it took them too long. They didn't go to the one leg lift silent cadence until six minutes left in the fourth quarter. And it's like, I, I just, I don't understand that. You know, e- even like you look up at some of the play calling uh, backed up situation, you know, you, you try to take a shot downfield when you have the lead and it's overthrown and it's interception. Like it, it's just that, that doesn't make sense to me. That's not his game. And again, we've only been able to, watch just a few plays of this kid play, but you, you get a sense that the deep ball, it's just not there yet. I'm not saying it can't, it can't be there down the road. The accuracy can't grow as he gets better as a player and gets more experienced, but that's not there right now. It's just, it's tough, Tom. I mean, like, as you mentioned, yeah. I, I've been, I've been in that situation before. So, you know, what is that? <laughs> what does that feel like? Like, what are those nerves and what are those emotions like? Cause I cannot imagine being in Roberson's shoes on Saturday. It's so like any like team I've been a part of. And again, I don't know what their process is like or how they game plan, but like the backup quarterback, you have plays that you like. So it's like, Hey Matt, you know, broken shoelace by our quarterback or, you know, uh, quarterbacks cramp and you got to go in the game. Right. Exactly. Something you got a list of plays that, Hey, I like this play on first and 10. I like this play on rundowns. If it's third and six, this is the play I like. So you, you should have a set, play of plays for your quarterback but when you go in there but what you're thinking tom is like all right let's go like you're just standing on the sideline now and then all of a sudden you're in the football game right you got to go play it's it's definitely a difficult situation to be in fortunately for me but my 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 teammates my guys around me the coaching staff like you know embraced me when i came into the game so that definitely made that transition easier it just didn't seem like Roberson had that when he entered the game. Yeah, there was definitely, um, he seemed to hesitate. And the flashes that you talked about, we saw a little bit in the third quarter, and it seemed like there was a glimmer of hope that, okay, Yursich understood coming out of the locker room at halftime, like, okay, we got to make some changes. We've got to run the offense that's better suited for number two and not number 14. And you could see the design quarterback runs, and Iowa wasn't quite sure what to expect. And naturally, Penn State was able to move the ball just a little bit, set up Jordan Stout for a field goal, and a 20 to 10 lead at one point. You and I were talking about it before we started this. At that point, the Penn State defense was playing so well. You still were watching the game thinking they could pull this out. Yeah. But it just, the wheels came you know, off as the game went on. And it gave Mike Yurchard some credit, though. At halftime, it seemed like he did make some minor adjustments because they came out in the third quarter. And that's when they were able to put a little bit of a drive together, right? They kind of went to that read option game. Roberson made some quick throws. He was getting the ball out of his hands. They put a nice drive together when they finished with three points. But here is where I have a problem with what they did to Roberson out there. Like it was that third down. It was third and seven time in the red zone. What do they do? They bring cover zero. Roberson, he has no clue. He takes a 12-yard sack, right? Imagine the difference between a touchdown there and three points. Like give the kid an outlet, maybe give him two plays or maybe just understand the situation, have him look to the sideline, call a timeout, do something because obviously he's not, he wasn't prepared for that situation. That's not on him. 
it just made it very simple for Iowa. And it was something you touched yeah. on before with Sean Clifford is that the secondary, when Clifford was in the game, they were doing everything they could to prevent the big play and to prevent the bubble screens because that was going to get guys like Parker Washington, KLS, and Jahan Dotson in space. So all of a sudden, you know that Taquan Roberson really doesn't feel confident with anything beyond five to 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. So that just made everything extraordinarily simple for Iowa. And as I mentioned before, that's when the linebackers started blitzing and really having a field day with them. So you just feel bad for the kid. But the the scary thing for Penn State fans is, one, the gap between Clifford and Roberson. And let's not forget Christian Veyu, who talking to Thomas Frank Carr from Blue Aid Illustrated, he's played more Canadian football than he has American football in his life. So this guy's got a lot of maturing to do to, before we even know what he is. There are some recruits coming down the pike. People have talked about Drew Alar, but uh, you know, according to Thomas Frank Carr, who I will lean on for recruiting information more times than anybody else, is that the guy has a lot of mechanical stuff to fix. So there is not necessarily an answer, and the gap between starting quarterback and second-string quarterback appears to be gigantic. So how does that happen? I don't know. Honestly. I don't understand how, how the gap is that big, how you don't prepare to have that moment. I've understand they've had, you know, Levis transfer out. That certainly hurt them. Do they win that game if they have an experienced backup? Maybe. Do they win the game if they have Clifford still playing? Yeah, probably. But that's not what happened. You know, it's your job to, you know, prepare these guys to play do as best as you can for, for situations like this. And it just, it felt like they weren't prepared for it, Tom, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, it's the small stuff, you know, it's, you're thinking at that point it was 20 to 16, right? Eight minutes left. He breaks off a nice nine yard run and it gets brought back because the wide receivers aren't set. Do you know what I mean? It's, it was this, it was such the small stuff like that. And it got to the point where he wasn't even looking to throw the football anymore. Right. And, and as a quarterback, in your first game, I mean, you have to be thinking, right, I can't lose this lead. I can't turn the football over. Uh, you know, it, it just it was one after the other. The little chop block. Yeah, that hurt was hurt the bad. Mm -hmm. So it's just it, it was tough, man. It, it got it got tough to watch there towards the end. Yeah. Roberson finished seven of 21. 34 yards passing, two interceptions. He was tied for the lead in terms of most carries on the day, 10 carries for 27 yards. Kevon Lee also had 10 for 30, as you mentioned. The uh, the running backs really did next to nothing compared to what the quarterbacks did as ball carriers, but that was kind of something you and I both knew coming into the game is that Penn State's not going to be able to run the ball, and now all of a sudden when you have an inexperienced quarterback who you know, maybe he was really shell-shocked in that situation – it plays right into Iowa's hands if you start running the ball. And because that's the natural thing to do to try and make the guy comfortable. And the mismatch that clearly existed when Clifford was in the game, passing game versus Iowa's coverage schemes, out the window. And it was night and day what this Penn State offense was doing. You know, you mentioned like playing right into Iowa's hands. And like that's, it's exactly what they did. Like, Iowa rundowns, you know, first down, they start putting eight guys in the box. You know, once they realized Roberson was struggling and, you know, wasn't really going to attempt that downfield throw that much or that often. And then that fourth down, fourth and three, they bring pressure. 
they they put Roberson a five man pass pro Tom right mm. and of course like you're gonna take the hot throw to the flat he the one he tried to throw to, to Kevon Lee in the flat because that's the hot route that's what you do you know as Iowa he's not gonna change the play he's not gonna change the protection he did exactly what he was supposed to do and he did exactly what Iowa wanted them to do and that that was basically the game right there at midfield at that fourth and three they didn't convert but yeah, again it, it was a situation he he it's a situation he. He just wasn't, he wasn't ready for the moment. Right. And that's, again, that's not, that is not on Roberson. Let me get that point across. That is not on him. It was clearly one read and run for Roberson at that point. So we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, Taquan Roberson uh, going forward. And then I really want to dive into what the Penn State defense did, because that is also a fascinating subject from this game. But I want to take this opportunity to let you know that all of us involved in the Paydirt podcast are proud supporters of THON, also known as the Penn State Dance Marathon. THON is a year-long effort dedicated to raising funds and awareness for its sole beneficiary, Four Diamonds at Penn State Health Children's Hospital. THON is the largest student-run philanthropy in the world, committed to enhancing the lives of children and families impacted by childhood cancer. Four Diamonds picks up where insurance leaves off to relieve financial stress and provide emotional support so that no family ever has to see a medical bill. Since 1973, Thon has raised over $190 million in the fight against childhood cancer. To learn more about Thon or to donate, visit Thon.org. That's T-H-O-N dot O-R-G. It's all for the kids. Make a difference in the life of a child today. So Roberson and the offense become anemic in the second half. And, and you kind of touched on it at one point before Iowa ultimately took the lead, the, the touchdown pass to Regani from Spencer Petrus makes it 23 to 20. Even when the score was 20 to 16, the feeling that I had just watching the game at home is that, okay, all Penn state has to do is you, you might not even need to necessarily get another score. You just need to have a drive that A, eats up a lot of clock, and B, buys you some field position because yeah. you were consistently giving up outstanding field position to Iowa in the second half because of turnovers or getting pinned deep in your own territory and having to punt. It seemed that simple, and the reason that it actually was that simple is because the Penn State defense was otherworldly. I mean... They nearly won the game by themselves. What did you think watching this D? Yeah, you're right. I mean, fantastic on third down. You look at what they did to Spencer Peaches in third and passing situations, right? Third and eight plus. I think they were, they, I was 0 for 5, right? And again, that was another point we brought up last week. If you can make him throw the ball on third and long and have to beat you, he's not going to be able to do that. But reason they won the football game was because more times than not, they were able to stay on track, right? They got the ball in a good field position, defensive created turnovers. Um, you know, I thought Goodson had a pretty good day. You know, he's a good player. You know, he had 20 carries. I think he had almost 90 yards. That, that was really the positive, you know, from them. But the, their ability to hold teams in the red zone is incredible. You know, just to kind of feel momentum the way they do. Derek Tangelo, I thought, played really well kind of was waiting for him to make a statement. And I, I think he got in on a lot of nice plays. Ellis Brooks dominated, right? He was involved in so many big plays and tackles. Luketta, Luketta's a monster. Mm -hmm. You know, so much talent on that side of the ball. You know, they had to earn it. Iowa did. They really did. Um, you know, but I think it gets to a point, Tom, as, as a defense where 
you know, you're battling, you're battling, you're battling, but then it's turnover, turnover, good field position, turnover. I don't care how good you are. I mean, eventually you're going to give up points and a team like Iowa, who isn't necessarily an incredible offensive team, but they're eventually going to get theirs. Iowa's balance coming into the game was 55% run, 45% pass. And you and I had talked about this on last week's uh, edition of the podcast in that, uh, and I said it, and I'll be the one to own up to it, is that, quote, this is not your grandfather's Iowa offense or Iowa quarterback. I'm going to eat my words because Spencer Petras looked exactly like that, and that was largely because of the Penn State defense. Fox broadcaster Joel Klatt had an excellent question, and he asked basically of Spencer Petras, did you come all the way to Iowa from Northern California to hide? And it's a blunt question, but it was worth asking. Petras finished the day 17 of 31 for 195 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Um, Iowa ultimately got 110 yards on the ground off of 45 carries. So it went back to the old Iowa offense. They were having success with that. As I mentioned before, P.J. Mustafer out of the game certainly made a difference. And uh, Penn State had some guys in the secondary, like Jonathan Sutherland, that were not available to them. So, But even still, this defense was outstanding. They made Petrus timid. They made yeah. Petrus really think about a lot of stuff. He is not a mobile guy, but there were just a lot of situations where Petrus had to pull the trigger. A lot of third down opportunities, as you mentioned. Iowa was 7 of 19 on third down. This Penn State defense, especially the secondary, continues to look great. Daquan Hardy had arguably the best game of his entire career, and that's not to discard what Joey Porter Jr. and Tariq Castro-Fields were doing. Tig Brown and Jaquan Brisker, who were all over the field. Brisker is a zombie. Every time he goes down from the shoulder injury, he just pops right back up. So there's a lot of positives to take away. How big of a concern is it for you? if P.J. Mustafer is out for a substantial amount of time. Yeah, I think so. He's done a fantastic job. We've talked about him almost every week now on this podcast about the way he is able to create pressure, the way he takes on double teams, the way he just clogs up the middle a lot of times and stands his ground. You know what I mean? And just forces running backs to kind of bounce it right or bounce it left. So hopefully he's okay. If he's not, again, we just mentioned, you know, Derek Tangelo. You know, somebody who who really did play well, I thought. Ebiketti had a nice game. Ebiketti had a nice game. got involved. Yeah, there's a lot of depth there. So if he doesn't have to play, I think they'll be okay. But I think his presence will certainly be missed, you know, as a leader. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they look, that whole D-line, that whole front seven, they hit the quarterback, man. They hit Petrus, right? He struggled throwing from the, the pocket, man. They created so much pressure in that game. And, you know, Tom, like, two plays like stand out and how could they not right i mean because that was only the really correct me if i'm wrong the two big plays and it, they just came at you know unfortunate times for this defense it was the missed tackle on keegan johnson right that huge play in the fourth quarter but your guy daquan hardy first down comes off the edge tackle for a loss and again a sack on third down in the red zone they hold to three and then that boot, and it was like they're booting like three or four different times throughout that game. Boot, play, completion, boot, play, completion. And I'm thinking to myself, as I'm watching it, like, yeah, that's because he's struggling throwing from the pocket. They're trying to get this kid outside, just find something, completion. And then, I mean, at the right time, dude, they just, they dialed up that boot throwback. Give, give him credit. That's a great call. Yeah. Unfortunately, just worst case scenario happened. Your starting quarterback went down. You went to an inexperienced backup, and 
all the weight was put on your defense, all the game planning, all the potential mismatches that were there virtually went out the window, at least on the offensive side of the ball, the defense hats off to him. Do you think it's Georgia and Penn state as the two best defenses in America? You can definitely make that argument. I mean, I don't see how you don't put Iowa in there after what we just saw and after what they've been able to do week in and week out. But yeah, I mean, is there anybody, I mean, I think if you phrase it this way, maybe Tom, is there any defense under more pressure or week in and week out than Penn state's defense? True. And and responding as such. Yeah. The pressure to play well. And especially now with, with Clifford's future uncertain and a young quarterback who really hasn't played. It's curious because you talk about the Iowa defense and so much was made of them coming into this game. 12 interceptions overall. They forced seven turnovers against Maryland, which it's like, okay, that's it's Maryland's not very good this year. So like, let's just be, let's, let's just chill on that. This Iowa team, you and I both talked about it. If you don't turn the ball over and you don't give them good field position, they are beatable. And everything that, could have went wrong did go wrong and the Penn State offense based on what Sean Clifford and company were doing looked like it was exactly the formula to beat the Hawkeyes so I don't want to make it sound like sour grapes but it's hard for me to sit here and say oh yeah Iowa was one of the top five defenses in America when it was like hey if Clifford doesn't go down and again it's ifs and buts and you know ultimately the score went the way of Iowa Mm -hmm. okay fair Penn State lost but still under the circumstances that didn't look like the greatest defense ever fielded. Here's my concern moving forward with, with Penn State's defense. It's Even with Clifford as your starting quarterback, they weren't that good in time of possession and controlling the football. They just mm. weren't. So what you're doing, you're asking your defense to play a ton of football, right? A ton of plays. And we saw multiple times guys you know, cramping up or battling injuries just needing that extra second. I hope moving forward, we don't see guys getting hurt week in and week out. I hope we don't see guys dropping like flies because they're putting so much pressure on this defense. That they, they need to figure something out offensively, Tom, whether it be to get the run game going, put better drives together, something, because uh, the pressure on this defense right now is uh, it's a lot, man. It's got to be exhausting. And that's why this bye week is so timely. I mean – Thank goodness (laughs) Penn State has a chance to regroup after a really tough loss on the road. And granted, Penn State football players should not be hanging their heads. You lost to a team that was ranked higher than you that was favored, I think, by anywhere from two points to three points, depending on what odds makers you were looking at. So you went into very hostile territory and you nearly beat them with your backup quarterback. So there's still a lot of positives to take away from this. You have the bye week. Next game is home against Illinois. Illinois is not a great football team. Then you go on the road to Ohio State, which is starting to look like the Ohio State University again. You go on the road to Maryland. You host Michigan. Michigan has been excellent despite kind of a tricky win against Nebraska on Saturday night. Rutgers, tough team, but ultimately Penn State should win that game at home. And then you finish the season at Michigan State, and Michigan Mm -hmm. State's got a killer one-two punch between Naylor and Walker on offense. So this doesn't get easier. However, this upcoming week and the next week is a great opportunity to regroup. So uh, whether that be physically or mentally, this is a really nice opportunity. And the overarching question is what is the health and availability 
of Sean Clifford. So I'll pose this speculative, you know, scenario. If Sean can't play or is kind of dinged up and maybe he doesn't need to play against Illinois, what about starting Taquan Roberson to just kind of like, hey man, you need the rep. You're playing against the Illini. Yeah, I mean, you certainly have to see how how Sean Clifford progresses. I think if he could play, he should play. But then I think if you get up to a certain amount, like I'm not saying if it's a blowout, right? Because look, Illinois is a decent football team. They're getting better every week. But if it's like 31-7 or something like that, then I think you can take him out and say, like, all right, all right, all right, Sean, your day's done. Let's get Taquan back in this game. Let's try to control the football here and 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 get out of this one with a win without getting you injured again or having you be in there for any unnecessary reps or more reps than you should be in there for. If he's not a hundred percent, Roberson needs to play. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's and it's because of what you have ahead of you. Right. I don't think you put him out there if he's 70% or 75%. And obviously he's a tough dude. He wants to play. He wants to win. But if he's not the the last thing you want is a setback. The last thing you want is to be going to Columbus and Clifford can't play or Michigan or Michigan state and he can't play. That's, you know, so you, you, you have to be careful with it. I took a, I'll never forget this. So at Virginia 2012, like within five plays, Tom, I took a, a shot on the inside of my elbow, right? Hit once, boom, face mask right to the elbow. On your throwing arm. On my throwing arm. Shook it off. Like my whole arm went numb, shook it off, whatever. A few plays later, exact same thing. Same spot. Like what a freak thing that would be, two hits in a row. So I had to go in, get checked out at halftime, came back out, play the second half. But like that, like Monday or that Monday, Tuesday, whatever it was, I was in the training room. I never forget our trainers. Like you take another shot on this arm, dude, like you're, you're probably done. You know what? So like I had to wear like a big pad and everything like that. And it hurt for a while. And like I hit it. I tried to hide the injury as best I could because I wanted to play. So, I mean, obviously you can hide an elbow a little more than you can hide a shoulder. Because more times than not, when you get a hit time, you're landing, you're landing on that shoulder. Mm Mm-hmm. So and if it is just, if it is a rib injury, yeah, you know, I don't want to play doctor, but like mm. yeah, that's that that that's hard to breathe, let alone play quarterback, play any organized sport. Well, it's it's hard to breathe, it's hard to throw, right? You can't kind of torque and twist your body, and I think mentally too, that can hurt you as a quarterback because you're standing in the pocket, you know you're hurt, right? You know you don't want to get hit, you're timid, you're thinking to yourself, I'm trying to maybe cover my ribs with my, with my left arm as I throw, or I'm getting the ball out of my hand fast, right? You're getting, you know, happy feet in the pocket and you're doing things with the football you wouldn't normally do just because you're trying to prevent or avoid hits. And that's not good for anyone. So if he can play, he should play. But if he's not there yet, Taquan Roberson has two weeks to get ready now. And you've got two weeks. You've got yeah. two weeks to build an offense for him and let him play his game. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot of long hours for Mike Yursich and Taquan Roberson. Uh, hopefully, is approaching this like he's just got a brand new job because he really did. Um, the entire season hinges on the health of Sean Clifford. That is a scary proposition, and we are going to keep an eye on that as uh, weeks go by. I do want to bring up the rankings because we knew uh, coming off of all the turmoil 
in a wild Saturday of college football that the rankings were going to be uh, confusing and very difficult to predict. So for those of you that are following the coaches poll, and I know we don't have the graphic, but feel free to follow along on your favorite device. Georgia is number one. Iowa is number two. Oklahoma jumps to number three after beating Texas in the Red River rivalry. Cincinnati at four. Alabama, after losing to Texas A&M, drops to five. Ohio State goes to six. Michigan to seven. Penn State to eight. Michigan State at nine. Oregon at 10. So again, that's the coaches poll. In the AP poll, Georgia one, Iowa two, Cincinnati three, Oklahoma four. So just flip-flop there. Alabama five. Ohio State 6, Penn State 7, 8, Michigan 9, Oregon 10, Michigan State. What's your initial reaction to hearing that Penn State is basically 7 or 8? Yeah, I think that's right. I think I think they certainly belong where they are. And Big 10, Big 10 East is ridiculous. Yeah, 5 of the top 10 kinda, is the Big 10. Yeah, and and it's unfortunate for Penn State is I mean they still have to play all those teams. <laughs> you still have to play Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State. Iowa should win out, really. They should. Oh, yeah, their favorite. schedule yeah, is cake. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they should win out, but Penn State season just started this past weekend. Right? These teams, I, Ohio State is figuring it out, right? You, you probably wish you play them the first three weeks of the season. God, that would have been nice. Michigan's getting better. Michigan's getting better. <laughs> Michigan State. I think Michigan State definitely has some concerns. They're very quiet, six and zero. There's definitely a lot of holes in their in their coverage and their zone coverage, but they do a great job of getting turnovers like Iowa does. They're very good on special teams. You're right. You mentioned Naylor, Jaden Reed. I mean, Peyton Thorne's playing fantastic football as well. So that's a good football team. And tell me, it wouldn't make their year if they finished the season by beat by beating up on Penn State. So, I mean, it's. Uh, it's tough, man. This this is about com- as competitive as it gets right now in football. It's going to be a dogfight to end the, the season in the Big Ten. When you and I both started this podcast, I had predicted for the season that Penn State could finish 8-4. and four. Now, I'll admit, I'm a pessimist. I thought two of those losses might come in September against the likes of Wisconsin and Auburn. Penn State proved me wrong. I just didn't know what month that those losses might rear their ugly head. And there is still a very strong possibility Penn State finishes this season with losses to those big three games that we talked about of Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State. Now, that being said, all hope is not lost. Those are winnable games. Even though it's big, bad Ohio State, C.J. Stroud is a freshman and he can be messed with. Michigan, so many questions at quarterback, but they run the ball and the fact that you let Nebraska hang in there the way they did and have not exactly slammed the door on too many opponents. There's that and you just kind of outline what Michigan State is all about. And it's not to say it's a gimme with Illinois, Maryland and Rutgers, but you feel positive about those games. So my question to you is for the remainder of the season, how hopeful should Penn State fans be for the Nittany Lions to make the college football playoff? Well, they need Sean Clifford back. You know, if he's back, you got a chance. Right, because what we saw in the, the, that first twenty minutes versus Iowa was very encouraging. I've received some criticism because I was talking about how I don't think they were tested by Wisconsin or Auburn. This was their real first test, I thought, and he passed with flying colors. Right, I mean, he he was carrying the offense for a quarter and a half. 
right? And even though he turned it over, okay, great. He was still doing whatever he wanted versus their zone coverage, putting the ball wherever they wanted. Turnover right. They would have if, yeah. if he like again, now obviously we're just sitting here and you know talking about the what ifs, Tom. But you're the Monday morning Monday morning dude, quarterback. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> things I don't I don't yeah, things I don't like to do, right? But yeah. like I mean, let's be honest. They probably win that game. Dude, they may probably win by two scores if he plays four quarters. Yeah. Do you disagree I, or no? No, I agree. The way that it was going, it felt like Penn State could hang 30 on Iowa and maybe yeah. keep the score for Iowa to either under 10 or under 20. Like that, that and again, that comes yeah. back to how freaking good the defense was playing. Like it was you talked about the two early turnovers, and then even as the third quarter wore on and everything was just going wrong for the offense, it just didn't matter. The defense was stepping up every single time, so you yeah. feel great about that going forward. Again, some injuries that you're going to be cognizant of, but the biggest one, it, it's a huge if, a huge asterisk next to this season and especially next to this Iowa game because the, what the rankings tell me is that the uh, the college football playoff committee – understood the situation that Penn right. State went through and it's giving an opportunity to all these other teams that are kind of coming into form to prove if they're worthy to be in the top four. Well, they still belong there, right? That That's that's where they belong. And best case scenario is that it's a small sprain somewhere, right? Shoulder, elbow, something, a small sprain somewhere. He can get back to the way he was playing. You run the table. And it's Iowa Penn State rematch Big Ten championship game, right? Best case, worst case scenarios, you lose three more games, you finish eight and four, right? Yeah. I mean, that's I know, and and it just it it stinks because last week we were talking about you know that that hope of Penn State fans could this team make There's, it to the college football there. playoff? It's still yeah. there. It should still be there, right? Don't lose hope. It should still it should very much still be there because you still have that chance. See, I knew you were an optimist. I knew it. I was down in the dumps last night, but like, you know, you're an optimist. <laughs> I just, I, I see, hey man, I see both sides. All right. Yeah. I, you know, I see both sides because that's like, it's, it's all meant it's all, it's, it's just a mentality, dude. It's where are you mentally? Like, that's, that's what's great about this game is that like it, it sticks with you. It's not like baseball where you can go play tomorrow, right? This will sit with this team now for 14 days or 13 days or whatever it may be until they take the field again. Every day you're going to be thinking about this Iowa game and thinking about that's not who we are. We're much better than that. Then they get to go out and prove it again. That's what's great about this game, dude. Like it, it's, you know, and again, there's two ways you can even go in football. You can either respond and continue to win and prove it, or you can hang your head and moan and complain and lose. Like it's, it's, that, it's that simple. You know what, and I'll end on this. Knowing this staff and knowing what this team is at this point, considering 2020 began 0-5 and then Penn State goes on a winning streak to end the season yep. and what they have done thus far in 2021, this is a mentally tough group. So I have every expectation that they're going to do what you said is uh, respond. They've got 14 days, like an animal in a cage, to get all jacked up and host uh, the Illini. So... That's going to be very curious. 
So there is still hope. Penn State fans, we're going to see what happens. Um, so obviously there is no game this week uh, with the bye week. So Monday's upcoming edition of the Pater podcast will be exclusively previewing the game between Penn State and Illinois. We are really looking forward to that. Thank you, everybody, for liking, commenting, subscribing, and turning on notifications. You guys have been awesome this entire season. He's Matt McGloin. I'm Tom Hannafin. We'll see you next week on Pater. Oh, Pater! Pater! For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.